So, Ben, for today's episode, we're talking about love, right? Love. I love you so much. And so, when I think of love, I don't know. I think of, like, happiness and glitter and kitty cats and puppy dogs and you, obviously. Thanks. I'm glad I was last on the list. What? I love you. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think it's ironic that we're talking about love and Hunter's Grumpy today. Where we honor God and the things he does. With your host, Hunter, Jessica, Ben, and Dina. Welcome to the... (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Altered Podcast, everyone. It's going to be a great, awesome episode. I'm so sorry. Everybody's ears just blew up. Alter Podcast is not responsible for the ear damage that you just received. <laughs> Hopefully with the mastering that we have now, the software that we use, that you do not have an ear explosion. I doubt it. We hope so. It's not magical. It's, that's true. <laughs> well, so hello, everybody. Funny. We're here live at the Alter Podcast. Yes, Dina, we are live together. We're alive. Sadly. Uh, (laughs) but You've been working too much, buddy. (laughs) Like I said in the intro, grumpy. Um, We're talking about love today. We are. What about love? Oh, no. Ben. I know. Hey, I love him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't like angry at you. I was inside. (laughs) But I forgive you. But now my phone's on silent, so it's better. Thanks. Um, So, yeah, we're talking about love today. And, you know, I've heard so many times in so many ways, well, God is love. And because he's loving, we should, you should accept me as I am. What is love? Baby, Baby, don't don't hurt me. me. Anyway, so that's what we're talking about today. But, you know, (laughs) before we get there, there's some other things that we should talk about. And one of them is what God has done for us this week. I'm going to go first. Okay. Because I want to. Go like, first. what is he going to say? <laughs> so, the Lord, this week, um, I was mowing grass. And I, okay, it was hot. Cultivating the fields. Uh, no, I was mowing grass. <laughs> and um, I, was, I was going across my, my lawn. I did, literally, I did one whole strip across the yard. And I was kind of starting to trim around the edges and do some, some of the stuff, you know. And I, I get up to this place in the yard. And I've got the lawnmower. And I run over. The, the grass and I pull it back and when I do a thousand yellow jackets come flying out of a hole and all of a sudden I start getting stung now some would wonder what do you how, God led you into the yellow jackets no God only let me get stung four times and I'm telling you there were yellow jackets flying out of that hole like you wouldn't believe I just left the lawnmower and ran and I'm not a fast runner, y'all. He runs inside, and the first thing I do, he, he's like, I got stung. I just go ahead and start getting the ointment out. Yeah, she was getting out. She she made me this paste of... Um, Baking soda and water. And that stuff works. Now, it hurts in the moment, because when she puts it on there, it draws that poison out. But, buddy, that stuff was awesome. I was going to say it was fire, but no. <laughs> it was not fire. It was awesome. It um, was cooling. It turns out, so I'd only got stung three times at that point, and I'm feeling not too bad. And there was... <laughs> Yellow jacket up my shorts leg and got me again. But luckily it was just on the knee, so it wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, it was so the Lord only let me get stung four times total. Life was good. So yeah, that's what God did for me this week. He kept me from getting hurt. Because my mama, when she got into a yellow jacket nest like that, 
I mean, she got stung over 20 times. She, like, she almost died. It was bad. So, uh, there you go. Dina? Um, so, this week, I have been doing something that I do not enjoy, and God has really helped me get through it, is I've been deep cleaning the house. Like, when I say I've been deep cleaning the house, like, I've pulled everything out of a room. Like, everything out of the kitchen, out of the cabinets, everything, wiped it down, and then just put it all back. I even took the area rug, and usually, like, I'll spot clean it, but I took it outside, and I scrubbed it, and took a pressure washer to it, and it looks fantastic. It does. It does look fantastic. Um, yeah. And I decided to do that on the hottest day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get home, and she's like, I'm so... Tired. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> thanks to the uh, economy, ah. the the money and inflation has uh, well, money's gone down and inflation's gone up. Yes. So we love August because it's my birthday month. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And mine too. We're not talking about you. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding, Tommy! Wow. Don't yell at me for being mean to dinner. <laughs> Tommy, <laughs> thanks, Tommy. Take my back. Appreciate. Or, it. Well, I don't know how you say it. Take my back. I don't know. <laughs> thanks Take for my back. Listen, <laughs> I've smelled so many cleaning smells today. I don't know what's going to come out of my Oops. mouth. All right. Well, we need to talk about getting high as a sin. All right. Got that done. <laughs> I ran out of thieves cleaner. Okay. <laughs> I had to go to the Stupid. store stuff. So, so your birthday. Yeah, so my birthday comes in August, which in both of my car, my wife's car, is in my name mm-hmm. first, uh, which means tags are due. Yay. So it's like $400. You know you can change that to whatever you want. Yeah, it's whatever. And so I looked at my wife's like, well, I don't know what we're, what we're going to do. We don't have an extra $400 right now. I said, nah, God always provides. So then my job's like, hey, we're going to give you five extra weeks of overtime. Uh, have fun. And I'm like, well, one week of overtime pays for the tags. So... Yay. Congratulations. Now I need a nap. Yes. But at least I got money. That's true. So you can't really pray for money. And then when God's like, hey, I'm going to give you five extra weeks of overtime, not take it. (laughs) (laughs) So. Ain't it the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Remember that nap you were going to take? Just kidding. (laughs) It's not important. No. You don't need that. My kitty cat is tormenting my dogs. She's looking outside like, Nan and Boo Boo, you can't get me. And the husky's like, I want to eat you. There you go. So, Ben, yes. let's do a little bit of Bible time. Yeah. Okay. So, first off, I would like to just kind of go back to last week for a second, talk about forgiveness again. So, last week, in case you uh, are just now, or in case you haven't listened to it yet and you listen to this one or whatever. Anyway, talked about forgiveness last week. It was really good. We stole the entire episode from Pastor Chris's sermon that was Sunday. So we appreciate you, Pastor Chris, for letting us steal your material, even though we didn't ask you for permission. Sorry about that. We did it better. You have to forgive us. Um, we hope so. Um, so, yes. Yeah. So, anyways, but uh, it was funny. I was I was thinking through it because um, at this point, the podcast episode actually hasn't released yet. But uh, I was thinking through it. And uh, one of the things that I do think is important to mention is that sometimes forgiveness, I think forgiveness is a choice, but I, I think it's also a process sometimes. Um, I was I was talking to somebody a while back about forgiveness and the process of it and just the idea that when I forgive somebody, what happens if I 
choose to forgive them, and then I get these feelings that pop up all over again. Um, you know, and it's like, but I chose to forgive them, but now I feel anger still or whatever. Sometimes I think that, that forgiveness is a process that you choose to forgive and then you forgive. And then sometimes you have to let your feelings come into line with the choice that you've already made. And so anyway, we're actually going to talk about some more uh, as, as far as like choices that then lead to feelings, not feelings that lead to choices um, later on. So I thought that was important to mention because again, today we're talking about love and as we mentioned earlier, when we talk about love, so often, especially in our culture and society today, people say that if you're going to be loving, then you have to accept me the way that I am. I remember when I was, um, oh gosh, I was in high school, I think, or maybe I was in college when the Numa books came out. Anyway, Rob Bell, um, say what you want about him. He was kind of a nut, but, uh, uh, one of the things that Rob Bell did, he wrote this, this book and it was called Velvet Elvis. And I remember when Velvet Elvis came out. I was reading it, um, and actually, I took it to church with me because I wanted to talk to my, I think it was my youth pastor or somebody at the time, anyway, about this book, and so I had it, and one of the guys at church saw it, and he was like, do you know what that book's about? And I'm like, no, but I'm reading it, and it's by Rob Bell, and he's a pretty cool guy, <laughs> and you could just see, he was an older guy, he looked at me, and he, you could just see him like cringe on the inside, you know? Um, and so when he cringed on the inside, um, he was like, well, you might want to read that book and kind of, he said, you might want to think critically about it as you read it. And I was like, which is a nice way to say that book is full of heresy. You need to be careful. Um, but he didn't tell me that. He said, you might want to think critically about the book. And if you have any questions, you should come talk to me about it. And I was like, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And now, and I'm glad he did because when I, at face value, when I was reading the book, I was thinking, oh, it's Rob Bell. He did the NUMA videos and the NUMA videos were really good. And so as I'm reading this, you know, surely he wouldn't steer me wrong. Oh my gosh. So the NUMA videos up to that point were really good that he was putting out. He was talking about how you should be covered in the dust of your rabbi and how when the storm comes, you know, you can trust God for things. And then in Velvet Elvis, he has this whole scene about homosexual marriage. Um, but he doesn't just come out and say it's homosexual marriage. He, he talks about how love is love. And, and in that moment, he realized that God was love. I'm pretty sure that's how, it, how he said it. Anyway, but he is talking about how love is love. And it was so beautiful that um, basically surely God would be okay with this and all this thing. Anyway, basically condoning homosexual marriage because that's what the scene was about. Um, and in our culture so often, we see that as a big thing. You know, love is love. And so you have to accept me as I am. And so, you know, I may have a drug problem. But love is love, so you should accept me, and, and, and that should be okay. Or, you know, I, um, I'm homosexual, and, and, you know, love is love, and, you know, God is love, which means if I love someone else, then that means it's okay because God is love, so that means he made this love to be this way. That's not the case. And so today we're going to look at love, and we're going to look at First Peter. I'm sorry, not First Peter. We're going to look at First John, um, and we're going to look at, at this, whole, this whole passage that all of that is built off of because we are going to read about how God is love. But we're going to read a little bit further into it and see that it's not just that that God is love, so that means anything goes. There's a whole, um, biblically, there's a whole context that must be presented with that or you go off the rails. You know, we've seen this in the, the United Methodist Church lately, how the United Methodist Church is, is ordaining homosexual clergy and they've decided that they're going to be totally okay with this thing. Um, and so there's been this big split of people who want to stick to biblical values and, and this other group that says, well, biblical values say that God is love and therefore all love is of God. And that is not the way. 
Um, and so, Dina, First John, chapter four. Will you read some of that for me, please? Sure. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Pause. So if you read that and you stop right there, at face value, all of the stuff that we just talked about that I said was wrong makes sense. Because if you abide in love, then you abide in God. And he abides in us. I have heard that preached. <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> I've heard it preached this from the pulpit. This needs to be one of those like video episodes. It, it probably does. I've heard that preached from the pulpit before. And somebody try to say that that's, what, that, that that's what this means. That it's okay. That we should accept people as they are. Dina. Read 17 and following. Let's see what it says. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is who... Wait, let me start that again. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Okay, hang on for just a second there. So it's talking about the day of judgment. I'm sorry, I, I can't. I gotta, I gotta interrupt you for just a minute. It's talking about the day of judgment. And if you read this entire book, if you start chapter one and read all the way to here, which I did this week, um, if you read all the way to here, this book is adamant over and over and over again in First John, even though it's really short, that if we love God, we'll, we'll follow his commands and we'll do the things that he does. And it's talking about judgment, which is where God judges the world for their sin. So if all of that stuff that just, that I've heard preached before that says we should accept homosexuals the way they are, if all of that stuff means that that's, that's how it is, then why is it talking about judgment? Dina, keep reading. Calm down there, buddy. I know. <laughs> There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Well, that's it. Let's throw the Bible out then because, you know, that means I should accept people as they are. I got to love my brother just the way they are. Dina. Okay, so that's the end of chapter four. Now, read the beginning of chapter five, which by the way, the chapters and the pause breaks and all the stuff are not inspired of the Lord. There was some dude who put all that stuff in there back in the day. If you read this thing, it should be read in one contiguous fashion from here or from what we just read to the next part, which Dina's about to read. So Dina, read chapter five, verse one. 
Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments, for this is the love of God, and that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So, Bible time is very important when we look at context. Because if you don't look at context, you can easily make the argument, oh, God is love. And so we just need to love Hunter in his grumpy state. <laughs> but what we need to know is that this passage in chapter 5 addresses all that stuff and gives us some really important information. Don't stop reading at the chapter breaks. Keep reading because you will miss context if you stop reading at the chapter breaks sometimes. Chapter 5 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Okay, cool. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. So, when you look at context, one of the things that you need to look at is who is the letter written to? Is 1 John just written to... No, 1 John is written to believers. When you read all of 1 John, it starts with, this is the basis, this is the basics of the faith. If we think that we have no sin, we, we, can, we deceive ourselves and all this stuff. And so he goes through the basics and then he kind of moves on and keeps moving. Um, and all of 1 John is a letter to believers to let them know that there are certain things that John really values and we need to remember them. And so when he gets to chapter 5, he is talking to believers and he says that everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So what John is admonishing people to do, number one, is he is admonishing people to love the brethren. He's admonishing people to love other Christians. He's telling the little children, if you read the rest of this letter, he's telling those who are believers, um, when, he, when he addresses them as little children, he's, he's calling them the believers, the people who are children of God. He's telling believers to love believers, number one. And that's what he... He it keeps clarifying in chapter 5. So whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So that's step one. If you really want to be loving, you love the believers, right? So, you know, we talk about church um, attendance, for instance. This is a perfect chapter to really talk about if you take it in context, church attendance and the fact that we love the believers and we spend time with them and we help each other and that kind of thing. If you really want to love, then in verse 2, it also says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. So number two, if you really want to like, be truly loving, you love God. You don't love people as they are necessarily, you love God. And then number three, you follow his commands. And what are his commands? Well, his commands tell us, among other things, and we'll look at this a little bit more later, um, but the, his commands tell us to... Um, oh, I don't know, make disciples who then help people to make disciples. And how do you be a disciple of Jesus? You walk just as he walked. How did Jesus walk? He walked perfectly without sin. And so as we live lives that are Christian lives, we should try to live as sinless as we can be. Um, that means that when we love people, we should help them to live lives that are sinless and not sinful. That means we don't accept sin in the life of the believer. We love them enough to help them try to move out of that thing. Hunter, you look like you got something to say. I've been talking a lot. <laughs> um, I, <clears throat> I do think that this is one of the hardest things 
to do as a Christian. And I say that, and I also say this, this is one of the most natural things <laughs> to do as a Christian. Mm. Um, but it's easy, just like um, uh, American relationships today, it's easy to stay when everything's hunky-dory and say, I love you. But the American view of love is situational. Um, it's not relational or made by a covenant. Um, but the biblical view of love is not situational. It is ongoing. It is... It's like a forever thing. Yeah, it's, re- it's relational. It's uh, uh, and made by a covenant. You and God made a covenant together, right, that... He's going to be your God, and you're going to be his, or we're going to be his people, and there's love there. <clears throat> and in turn, our heart is changed from death to life, and we are then to love other people. Well, it's not based off of a situation-by-situation situation basis. It is based off of, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, we serve the one true living God together, and because of that... I have this natural love for you. Um, in turn, what you do to me, and this is also goes back to last week, I should be quick to forgive. I should be quick yes. to uh, um, hear you out, not, and, and I should be slow to anger. Um, and in turn, I should show you grace and mercy and love and, you know, but it's not often that we see that in today's church. We go to church, in the, especially in America, um, and we see some of the most angry people in the world. You sometimes. Know? Sometimes. Some, I'm saying, not always. I'm not sometimes. saying that the whole church is angry, but I'm saying that... It's kind some, of a stereotypical, unfortunate stereotypical kind of thing that you sometimes see. Yeah, you know, you have the... What is the, I was talking about stereotypes for a minute. You know, you have the old lady who judges every young person in the church, and then you have the young people who don't respect their elders in the church. And then, <clears throat> yes, that's, that's around everywhere. But I'm talking about the true sense of love that we just don't see all, all the time. And that is, I call church shoppers and things like that, who one thing goes wrong inside the church and they, they bolt, Right. They did not sing my song today, so I'm going to go try the Methodist church down the street. They have the fog machine. So I can feel the spirit. I went to hymnal page number 97, and guess what? Amazing Grace was on page 96. I got to go. I mean, so it's just loyalty, um, love for uh, the church members, the church body, the pastors has dwindled in the, the... the new age of America. Mm-hmm. Um, and people don't go to church anymore. Like you said, it's all online. There's no connectivity to the body. We are losing the feel of how to love one another. I think to go along with that, it's because it's becoming more of that all about me situation instead of how to love others. It's all about me and what am I going to get out of it? Well, that's been the problem with and that's been a problem for a while. Well, but. that's been the problem with the American gospel anyway. The church, the gospel is me-centered, not Christ-centered. And in turn, when it's Christ-centered, it's love-centered. Again, it's not condoning. Love love is not the same as condoning. That's true. Lo- uh, I think it was somebody, I can't remember who it was, but I didn't, I didn't say this. Uh, I'm going to repeat it, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I tell people, especially Christians, and I tell sinners the same thing, non-safe people, I tell them about a greater power that can save them. I tell them about a greater power um, that can save them from their sin to cleanse them of all unrighteousness, not because of my self-righteousness, not because I'm better than you, but because of my love for you and I don't want to see God's wrath upon you. That's why we do what we do. I tell people in church, and hopefully the people in church will tell me, if they see sin in my life, if they see an area of improvement that can be made, in turn, I love them. I'm helping them grow towards Christ. And in turn, I hope they love me enough to have an uncomfortable conversation with me and say, hey, there's, a, there's a something here that I think is falling short. And if we look in everybody's life, somebody, everybody can have that conversation with somebody because all of us fall short of being perfect. In turn, love is not just the the rainbows and cupcakes and unicorn feelings. Love is confrontational. Love is those hard moments. And it is part of being a Christian. It is this. Yep. Y'all remember back in the day before you were saved? I don't know. You were saved pretty young, Hunter. So it, you may not remember that as much. But I remember back in the day, like my what I call my PC days, my pre-Christ days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is what I call it. Those are PC days. Um, it, it's funny because you work in IT. That's true. And and we I call Pastor Chris PC, which is funny too, but that's beside the point. It should be your BC days before Christ. Days. That's true. It should be my, my BC. You're right. Anyway, so back in my BC days, y'all remember how you felt though all the time in your BC days? I remember how I felt all the time. I was playing with army men. That's true. You were young. (laughs) Um, I remember what in my BC days. uh, So I was saved at 17, um, December uh, of of the year that I turned 17. And so um, I remember, you know, I was driving um, my car and I would drive fast all the time. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, because you probably are. Um, I would drive fast all the time because I didn't really see a point to life. And if something happened to me, I really didn't care. Uh, because if life ended, well, life sucked anyway, you know, um, life sucks and then you die. Right. Um, that's how it felt to me. And I say that, and I know that's offensive to some people and I apologize. I know that's, that's in your face language, but that's how it felt back in the day. Um, it just seemed like everything was hopeless and there was no point to life. And why would you be on this earth just to live and make money and, you know, like... Pay my, taxes? Yeah, my friends were, like, sleeping around with people. I, was, I didn't even know about taxes back then. <laughs> um, but, like, my friends were, like, sleeping around and drinking a bunch and, like, doing stupid stuff. And I just didn't see a point to any of it. Like, what? what's the point if all I'm trying to do is, like, make myself better than everybody else and please myself and then die? Like, that's that just seems dumb. Um, I didn't see a point to it. And so, you know, I would, I just lived with, in this hopeless state of, you know, like, you know, you make money and you try to just, you know, do whatever and what, you know, it just, it was hopeless. Um, and that's what I think about sometimes, like when I think about, um, why should we love people who are not in the church? And so I, I just, I had, I found these statistics. Um, it's from AFSP.org. It's the, like the age adjusted suicide rate in 2021 was 14 people per hundred thousand individuals. Um, the rate of, of suicide is highest in middle-aged white men. Uh, in 2021, men die by suicide 3.9 times more than women. Um, on average, there are 132 suicides per day. Um, and so, you know, like 
if you just go through the suicide rates and you think about that kind of hopelessness, um, you know, I think they said that, that, you know, the suicide rate now for, um, I think it's age 15 to 25, if I'm not mistaken, it's like 30%, like that somebody's tried to attempt it. Um, and so when I think about just the hopelessness that I see in the world and the fact that people, they don't know what to do and they don't know who to trust and, and what do you see in the world right now? You see people say, well, because I feel this way, it's right for me. You hear my truth all the time still. And, and when I think about that stuff and I think about the hopelessness that I know that I felt in my BC days, my, my before Christ days, I heard somebody say this and they were talking, they weren't talking about Christianity. They were talking about something else, but how dare me not, if I have the solution to an issue that could save somebody's life, how dare me keep silent? Um, let's say that I had the cure for cancer, for instance, and I kept it to myself. How dare me, you know, because people die of cancer all the time. How dare me keep silent knowing that people are going to go to hell? Um, and so I don't preach Christ because I want to be better than somebody else. I preach Christ because I want to give them the thing that saved me from sin and death. Um, and so how do you truly love? Verse five says, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? When I think about life in general and I look at people who are in the world, I don't see a whole lot of people who like the world the way that it is. They may... Um, stick with it because that's what they're stuck with. But, you know, like kids today are, you know, you see depression rates that are just so high and you see, you know, grown males that, that um, they can't handle life anymore. You see um, women who have to be men because their men aren't, aren't men anymore. You see all of this craziness when you look around at the world and I don't know about you, but the world needs to be overcome. It's not that, it's not that, you know, we want people to hurt. We want people to be free. We don't want to judge people. We want them to know the love and the peace that we find in Christ. And so that's why we preach Christ. Um, how do we truly love? We help people know Jesus, right? So the question is, oh, oh, sorry. to kind of piggyback off your story just a little bit, you know, I work with middle school students. And so whenever, I mean, middle schoolers, you never know what you're going to get when you're working on a project with them. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Um, I feel like I have a better understanding now, but um, anyway, we did this, uh, which you never know which way they're going to take anything. Whenever you start off a project, you're like, well, let's see what happens. And so last uh, spring, because April is um, National Poetry Month, I do this thing called blackout poetry. And so blackout poetry is where I go and I've already weeded out some older books that the spines have just fell apart beyond repair. And, you know, especially like some of the older Harry Potter books and stuff that I don't know how many times I've repaired the the spine and it just, you know, won't stay together. I feel like I have to justify that because people Hmm. like freak out. And whenever I have to cut these pages out of the books, it like I literally die inside. I feel like (laughs) (laughs) it's like I have to, chill out when I get home but um so yeah you take all these pages out and they go up and they choose a page and they read the page they take a pencil and they circle the words that stands out to them the most and then they try to make it poetic or you know a sentence or something that you know that they can relate with you know with that page and um well, whenever we compiled all of the, you know, good drawings and stuff, because they black out everything that's on there and they can either choose to make it, you know, like a rose on there if it's talking about love or, you know, a teardrop if it's sad. 
you read some of them, Ben, whenever we put it out in the hallway. And I was like, Ben, like, these are all like really, really depressing. They were. And they're kind of scary. Some of them are like, it's like, and then I would die and it would be okay. And you're like, whoa. And these are words like, that they're picking the off blood of the page. tasted warm against my lips or something like it was weird yeah. like <laughs> and and it's not like they highlighted a sentence out of the book so it's like oh it's you know it's something the author wrote like they're picking these words out and leaving them on the page and they black everything else out you know so this is how they feel when they they finish with this page and so and yeah. for people to say that you know teenagers don't have deep feelings oh they do oh they do you know, and being in the library, I feel like I'm kind of an unofficial school counselor when the school counselor mm. is busy because they come and tell me everything, whether I want to hear it or not. But, um, like, it's just so sad. Like, how many of them don't ever feel wanted, you know, to be anywhere? And that's something that I've always stro st strived for, if I can find my words, is that the library is always going to be a welcoming place for any of the kids and it's really you know allowed for some really great conversations for even some of the kids to have with each other you know yeah. so my question is <clears throat> the world will never see Christians as loving people it just will never happen because we're offensive um because so, we don't accept them for the way that they want to live yet. Well, and the message that we preach is offensive. Christ is offensive. Yeah. Christ was the killed for being offensive. Yeah, that's true. Um, and he's like, listen, they hate me, but they'll even they'll even more hate you. I mean, because you stand for what I stood for. Um, so it's just the the world will never. They'll. I mean, non-believers will listen to this and scoff, um, talking about Christians and love and. And they're, they're like, it's only, you only love when it benefits you, whenever the church is paying out or your members are tithing or um, whatever. But the reason they feel this way is because we, we say, hey, listen, you're not okay the way you are. Newsflash, none of us were okay the way that we were before Christ yep. in our BC days. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the Lord's still working on us. <laughs> right. And, and yep. sanctification, as we talked about our $5 theology word, yep. um, it, we're still being renewed every day. Um, atone, I mean, our sins are atoned for. Our, uh, we carry in our cross and our old self dies and our new self is reborn inside Christ. And um, each and every day, but it's the job of a Christian to say, hey, look, I know the sin is fun. I know that living with your girlfriend is fun. And, well, you know, your, the premarital sex is fun. But all this is dangerous. And I'm going to tell you why. All this isn't pleasing to God. I'm going to tell you why. And it's going to be like you're hating on me, right? You you just don't like who I am. You think I'm a bad person. That's not that I think you're a bad person in the sense of how we can decide who bad people are. But I do think that you're dead in your wages of sin and that you need to be revived. And I can help point you. I can't do anything for you, but I can help point you to the one who can help you. And in that is coated with love. But you have to look through your sin nature to be able to get there. And your, and your mind and your heart and your dead soul is going to be offended to the core. Good. Well. And then what's going to happen? 
I mean, even Christians get offended when we call out their sin, right? 98% of the time. You know, those conversations hardly ever go well. Um, but what can happen? That calloused heart that you have can start breaking apart. And you start realizing that, hey, this was a very loving act. That's just how it is. And for Christians, when another Christian confronts you about sin, they're not doing it because they think they're better than you. And if, they, if that's their motto, then that's between them and God. Or that's their motive, that's between them and God. But the whole point is, is that it is helping you. Because you living in habitual sin can be a sign that you're not saved. So we are here to help, not shove, right? And that's where, where we can say, hey, this is here, and if it, it offends you, then we're sorry, but it doesn't mean we're going to stop. Um, it's, just part of, it's just part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you see this on movies and stuff sometimes where somebody, they walk out in front of a, a bus, and they don't see the bus coming, and they have no clue that they're in danger. If you're, let's say that happens in real life and you're standing on the sidewalk, you watch a fully grown adult who should be able to take care of themselves step out into traffic. The bus is coming. Is it more loving because they made that choice and they're happy in the middle of the road? Is it more loving to let them get hit by the bus or to try to stop them and to try to pull them back from danger? And it may hurt them. You may have to tackle them. But you know, at the same time, the most loving thing you can do is to get them out of the way of danger. Right. And that's the, that's the job of the Christian. In the I've world. always used the, the motto of like spreading the gospel to your neighbors. Cough, cough, wink, wink, Tommy. <clears throat> uh, I'll tell you later. <laughs> uh, if you're sitting in your house and you notice that your neighbor's house is on fire, are you going to go knock on the door? Or are you going to try to tell them that there's, your house is on fire? Are you going to grab the water hose? Or are you just going to sit there and watch it burn? Yep. Now, listen, I know there's some pretty bad people out there, and there are some of you out there who'd watch it burn. <laughs> I wouldn't spit on them if they were on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but the majority of people would well, at least call the fire department. Right. 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 And so what we're doing is telling you that your house is on fire. Yeah. That's literally what we're doing. Yeah. Um, some of us are more aggressive than others. Some of us will kick down your front door and run through the fire and come grab you. <laughs> uh, but at least when somebody's sharing the gospel with you, they're just trying to warn you that your house is on fire. Yep. And please get out before you get burned. Yes. And that's the truth. And so um, how do you truly love? Um, you love those born of God. You love God. Um, I would have put those two in opposite order, but the scripture didn't, so that's we just left it there. We follow God's commands, um, and we preach Jesus to help others overcome the world. Now, what we see in that last passage is that um, when we love, um, whoever loves the Father uh, loves whoever has been born of him, and by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. Um, love in, in the scriptures in particular, rejoices with the truth. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, it's the love chapter. We talked about this on the podcast before, but, you know, it says love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can get down with that. You know, the worldly people can be like, oh, that's great that you're patient and kind. Um, It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Um, It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And so if you want to be loving, another way that you can be loving is you can rejoice with the truth. And you say, 
but Ben, what is the truth, right? Like, I've been watching WKYT. You know, that's our that's our chosen news media outlet here, and uh, well, at least for us, for the Burnett household. Um, and so we watch it. You know, pretty much every night. And one of the things they always advertise is like, "Gray media is here to help you know the 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 truth out there and and to to identify falsehood." And so, if you'd like to sign up for our, I can't remember. It's like. Um, our uh, media class so that you can identify false news stories and true ones. Um, you can go to blah, 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 www.blah, blah, 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 dot com. Um, I would just watch CNN and tell you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Make sure I edit that out. <laughs> anyway. Um, but the thing about that is what everybody out there right now honestly is asking themselves what is the truth, right? During the whole COVID thing. Everybody's like, do you wear a mask? Do you don't wear a mask? Do you get the vaccine? Do you not get the vaccine? Is the is the the pandemic even a true thing? Or are people just lying to us? Does the government want to kill us all? Like, you can't handle the truth. That was it. Like, people were freaking out. And, and honestly, it pointed out the fact that nobody really knows what's true and what's not. And you just have to do what's best for you. And Listen, I hate now. So part of library media is that you're supposed to help show students where to find reliable information. Mm-hmm. I hate that now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because there's so many opinions in the class. <laughs> yeah. I was watching the news last night. Not to divert off, but this this fits somehow. Okay. Sure. I was watching the news last night and I was watching the congressional hearing of these three Air Force guys. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody yeah. know what I'm talking about? Okay, so they said that they saw extraterrestrial oh, yes. aircraft. Yeah, you just need to give me more context. Yeah. Uh, okay, and that they crashed. Yes. And then they found human, or they found remains of the pilots, mm-hmm. and they asked them if they were human, and they said no. I know, I know. Fake news. <laughs> so, um, growing up, there was this... Uh, I don't know. They put this trailer across the street. I lived in this, like, it wasn't a subdivision. It was like a 90s subdivision, so it wasn't really a subdivision. But, um, diagonally from my house. Subdivisions not exist in the 90s? (laughs) Not where I lived. But anyway, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Ben, how would you, I don't even know. But anyway, the street that I lived on. Okay. Um, diagonally from us was this trailer and this dude ended up being on, I think he was on national news. He really thought that he got abducted by aliens. Like everybody knows about this guy. So I didn't want to divert too far (laughs) off that track, (laughs) but the point is, is what is the truth? So the thing is, I know you got points to make here. Um, the truth, have you ever noticed that you can just feel in your gut like the one who studies the Bible and things like that, whenever somebody just says something, and it's like, huh, I don't, I don't recall the scripture that you said, but I just, I, there's something in me that says it's not right. Have you ever fully disagreed with somebody in your mind, but in your like deep down in your chewy chocolate center, you know that they're right, but in your mind you're like, no, like that's wrong, but like there's like this thing in you that's like, no, they're right, but like you're like fighting it. You're like, no, no, that is wrong, but like deep down, there's like this thing that keeps telling you like they're right. I get what you're saying. It's like whenever I'm like, you know, we need another cat, and you're like, no, but really, you know that. I'm Tommy right. feels that way whenever I talk to him about the doctrines of grace. <laughs> I'll edit that out. Too. Or <laughs> anyway. Oh, there's so many things I could. I'm, I'm not even, even going to dip my toe in that water. But anyway, like, but yeah, like there are times when you just, 
Yeah. And it's the Holy Spirit going, hey. And my mind may fully disagree with what you're saying. And like deep down in my heart, like I'm like, oh, I disagree. But the Holy Spirit's going, Ben, you need to pay attention to this. Right. Nothing to do with the doctrine of grace, by the way. But yeah. <laughs> but the big thing is, is that the Holy Spirit leads us in the truth mm-hmm. um, and never leads you into falsehoods. And so that's the big thing is that if you're led into a falsehood, it was a spirit, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so pay attention. And uh, I think it's Hebrews that tells us to practice discernment. Um, I think it's Hebrews chapter five. It teaches us to practice discernment. Um, so this tells me this is a gift every Christian should have because he's telling people to, hey, practice discernment. In turn, that means this this feeling that you have, you need to discern whether it's of God or not of God. Yeah, First John even tells you to test the spirits. It does. That's that's part right. of it. And so, so yeah, back and what do we test it with? Scripture. Yeah. So that's the big thing is that you have to be bouncing them off here. Yep. So we've read up through 1 John uh, 5, 5. So Dina, would you read 1 John 5, 6 through 12, please? We're going to talk about what the truth really is and how you identify. We're not going to interrupt you this time. (laughs) We might. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you because the Spirit is the truth. (laughs) So number one, the Spirit is the truth. So how do you identify the truth? The Spirit of God. And actually, if you go back and you read 1 John 5, 1 through 5, it says the word truth over and over and over again in reference to God. Sorry, Dina, continue. Verse 7. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the the Son of God does not have life. Sorry, I had to finish that. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Was so nice. <laughs> oh, it's weird. That's a weird page break. Okay. Like a little sentence shift, whatever. But, so, what is truth? What is truth? So, truth is literally the gospel. It is. <laughs> it is the whole reason. Like, what is, it is God's testimony. Yes. That Christ came to earth. As, so, he was God. Came to earth to be fully man, fully God, and to die on the cross to reconnect man to God, mm-hmm. because man could never do it himself. Yep. And he's saying, all you have to do is believe in me, and if you don't, you're making God a liar. Mm-hmm. Why? Because God Himself is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit proclaim these truths and say that this is truth. And I am God. I don't lie. But if you sit here and say, I don't believe you. You're trying to say God's a liar. And listen, I don't want to be on that camp. Right. Like, uh, I don't like, Abraham had more guts than me. He was like, hey, God, but Simon Gomorrah, what about if I find these many people? You know, we'll start out 50. Like, what about 10? Can I find 10? Like, you have more guts than I do, man. Yeah. So, like, I don't even want to disagree with God. Yep. So, yep. I'm never not going to call him a liar. Yep. Yeah, verse 9. Verse 9 in particular stands out to me. It says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. You know, it doesn't matter that that man would say anything 
If it disagrees with the word of God, then it's not the truth. And so how do you identify the truth? Number one, you look at God and you look at his word. Now, which God are we looking at? Could I look at Allah and know the truth? Hunter? <laughs> how do I say this nice? We both love. The answer is no. Heck to the no. There you go. Um, there is one name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus. And that's it. And that's what the Bible says. That's what the word of God says. That's why, man, I've, I've been listening to this guy lately. Um, and I, I'm all about the message that he's talking about. There's this movie that just came out. I haven't seen it yet. So I'm actually kind of afraid to mention it, but I'm going to go ahead and mention it just a little bit. Um, it's called the sound of freedom. Great. We're canceled. Well, cool. Um, <laughs> have you seen it yet, Hunter? No. So, but it's about human trafficking. Yeah, I heard. And I cannot wait to see this. And um, I've been listening to the the guy that this movie's based off of because it's based off of true stories of his life. Jim Caviezel plays him, and so I've been listening to them talk about this whole thing. Jordan Peterson did an interview after watching the movie, a whole bunch of stuff. And Mark Driscoll just did one. Oh, did he? Yeah, and he was in tears talking about how every man and every Christian should watch this movie. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've heard nothing but rave reviews on it, and so I really, really want to see The Sound of Freedom. Um, but as I've been listening to it, it turns out the guy that it's based off of is a Mormon. And man, it hurts my heart because, you know, Galatians says that if, if a, even an angel from heaven should preach to you any other gospel, um, um, help me, Hunter, you know that verse. Uh, yeah, he says, he says if, uh, if... Let him be cursed. Yeah, let him be cursed. That's it. Man, yeah, like so. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Why? Because and uh, I don't. There's one translation. I don't. I don't think it's the King James because I don't like anything it says. I'm just kidding. Calm down, everybody. Uh, but it says, "Let him be damned." Yes. Right. And so it's telling me that if even if an angel from heaven comes down and disagrees with the gospel that I or any of the other apostles have told you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that apost- those those uh, the gospel messages came directly from Christ. If you read the rest of Galatians, mm-hmm. um, well, if you read First John, right, and he says, if an angel comes down and disagrees with me, let him be thrown to the pit of hell. Mm-hmm. Is what that that's, translates. That's to. what it means. Yeah, let, let him be accursed. And I'm like, Phew. yeah, and like and. You know, like this guy, he he had this whole movie written about him and like all the stuff he's done and all the good he's done. And I'm listening to him and up until a certain point, like I'm thinking like he's a Christian and he could be saved. But the thing is, the the baseline message of of some of that is that Jesus didn't die on the cross, that he replaced himself with someone else. And that that is not the gospel. And so, you know, I, I love my Mormon like friends and things, but like that's not the gospel. And so, and there's only Romans one sixteen. You know, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to mankind. To everyone who believes, yeah. first the Jew and then for the Gentile. Like you have, but you have to believe it all. You have to believe the fact that Jesus is yeah. the one who died for your sin, the only sinless person, the Son of God. God can die for the sins of the world. Jesus did it. First Corinthians fifteen one says that the gospel is is the life according to the scriptures, the death according to the scriptures, and the resurrection according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. That all these things that the scriptures say have to be true. So when you worship a book that tells you that Christ came off the cross and he replaced himself, that's not what the scripture holds true. Not what the scripture and you says. don't believe the gospel. So in turn you do not believe in the power of God for salvation to all who believe. So in turn you don't have salvation. And that is heartbreaking. And that's and that's scary. Because if you've lived your entire life thinking you're okay, 
You need to look at what you believe. And people right there say, you are a bigot, and that's not loving. But I would rather you know now, and at least at least you know, and you can look at it for yourself, right? If you're, if you're a, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and you're sitting there right now, and you're going, is this the true gospel? Go look at it for yourself. Go find the... I don't want to say the real Bible. Go find a, a real Bible and then find the Book of Mormon and compare them and see the differences. Every Mormon I've talked to says that the Bible, the one you and I have, is the authority. Mm-hmm. They just say that the Book of Mormon does not contradict it. And, it, and, and it I'm like, well, does. if you read on a third grade reading level, it definitely does. Um, that's as, that's as high as I can go. So that's why you I'm just thinking. have to you just have to but you have to look at the look at them and right. compare them and think about it. And the thing about it is, and this is this is one of the baseline things that we've been talking about already in all of this is, if man tells me something different than what God tells me, I have to disagree with man because God is the truth, and so, the gospel is the truth. In the point, and this is more like an open-ended question, I guess. They say that it's not loving to tell people this. Ultimately, because they're like, you you know, if God was really love, wouldn't if, if they were that right, if they were if they made it up to that that point of being so right, like even even Muslims, they they believe they had faith. They lived they lived a life right. of self control and good. self sacrifice and, and the yeah. the Buddhist monk who goes to the temple and and even wears clothes that are itchy because he doesn't want to make himself too comfortable. How can God throw them into eternal conscious torment of hell? Because even nature declares the glory of God. And if you would turn your back on the Lord, He poured out His Spirit on all flesh. It says. So if if he poured out his spirit on all flesh, okay, we'll just say it. Like, I believe that means that you had the chance. Like, if that you committed eternal cosmic treason somehow and at some point in your life by turning away from him. It has to be that way, in my opinion. Everybody has committed cosmic treason, but you did not do the one thing you needed to do. God gave you the opportunity to do one thing and he said accept my son believe in him repent of your sin and don't just believe but follow him Mm -hmm. and in that you will have salvation eternal life but what did you do you look at the scripture and you say that is too narrow and you make God a liar but in my heart and this is going to lead us into our next part. In my heart, though, I believe that I'm okay. Let's go back to our original, the thing that I've been hearing so much lately. Let, let's talk Sound of Freedom for, for I, I heard this this week listening to the whole, the interviews on Sound of Freedom and people and stuff. Um, one of the things that they kept saying was that there, there, there are these people out there, right? They're talking about, I am a, oh, they're a pedophile is what they are. Um, they, they're like, I'm a, oh, what's it called? A, a something attracted person, a child attracted person or a, yeah. anyway, minor attracted person. Anyway, the point is you're a pedophile um, and you need help. But I don't care that I just got canceled. I know. And, but anyway, you're a pedophile and you need help um, and you need to stay away from little children. But um, there's this whole movement right now. It's, it's been in Holland for a long time and like 
all kinds of places. Um, and it's coming here. I'm just going to tell you that right now, Christian. Um, but these people that are trying to normalize pedophilia. Well, love is love, man. Um, that's what Oprah, people would, Oprah Renfley said it on her TV show not two years ago. Yep. Yep. Um, and that's what people are pushing for. But, you know, in my heart, I know that that's okay, right? In my heart, I feel this way. And so it should be okay because in my heart, I know it to be true. I just want to say it like Dwayne The Rock Johnson used to say it when he wrestled, when he would ask people what their name is. He goes, it doesn't matter what your name is. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what your heart thinks. And that's true. And and the Bible tells us that. That's what I'm trying to get at. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? People out there, I, I just, and I was, I don't remember being taught this when I was a child um, growing up in the church. Uh, I don't remember being taught this until recently. I didn't know that my heart was desperately sick. I thought that Jesus came into my heart and I was okay. And he does. But the, the point is he comes into my heart to change my heart. You know, like what, what does Genesis say right in the Noah story? He says that man's heart is evil and wicked. And, and ev- well, in the Genesis story, every inclination of man's heart is only evil all the time. Yeah. That's what he says. It's crazy. Um, and in this, in Jeremiah 17, it says that the heart is deceitful above all things. So that means that my heart steers me wrong consistently. So you have to put it in check, like... All the time. With what? With the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And I've said this every podcast for like the last 19 podcasts. That's why understanding your position to Christ is important. Yep. Yep. What is uh, the first armor of God? The belt of truth. And I understand more about why that's important than I ever have before. Because without your belt, your pants fall down. Uh, your spirit pants are going to fall off. They are. <laughs> um, and all of your spiritual weapons, you're not going to have them because that's where you store them is on your belt. Um, but what is the spirit of truth or what is the belt of truth? I used to think it was the word of God. It's not. It is God's instruction to you about your relationship with him. It's God's instruction to you about him. Mm-hmm. Is what I should say, and your relationship to him, because he comes first. And understanding where you fit, rightly, yeah, is is key. Because if you have a higher view of yourself than what you where you really are, oh, it's destroyed. Yeah. Oh, and how you make a shame of the gospel, mm-hmm. because when you think that, well, I'm a good person, or I I do all right things, and I I may not I may not go to church like I should, and I may not read the Bible like I should. You know what? I may just not live exactly like I should. But you know what? I don't kill puppies, <laughs> or I don't kill babies in the womb, and I watch Fox News, <laughs> which go. makes every evangelical voter right. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're you have a wrong view of yourself of Christ. You are putting yourself closer to Christ than you would to Satan. Mm-hmm. And let's be real. So people are always like, well, compared to Hitler, I'm great. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what I want to compare right. myself to. But yeah, you're right. I hear it all the time. I do. That's, I hear that argument all the time. And I'm like, well, compared to God, you are so much closer to Hitler than you would ever believe. Oh, yeah. Um, and it really, that's, that's another thing about like all these interviews that I've been listening to on Sound of Freedom. Like, they're like, these people seem so normal. But at some point, they deviated from normal and went way the other I, direction. I was listening to, uh, <clears throat> I think it was Joe Rogan. And mm-hmm. he was talking, and they were talking about the, uh, yeah, I do not recommend anybody. Not a Christian. Yeah, <laughs> I do not recommend anybody listening to him. But he has guests on there that I like, like Jordan Peterson, uh, think people like that. Um, and you can listen to people sure. who are not. I'm just saying his language is so foul. You probably shouldn't listen well, to. And a bunch of other things too. Uh, <laughs> Pot smoke but, and a whole bunch of stuff. But 
he is one of the most philosophical minds that I think of our time. Just the way he thinks is so out there. Uh, he grasps such abstract ideas that it fascinates me. But they were talking about The Sound of Freedom. Um, and he actually likes the movie. I was a little, little shocked. That's good. Uh, but they were talking about statistics. And they said that, like, you walk into Walmart, like, eight people that you pass while you're walking to Walmart are dealing with the same thing, like pedophilia. And wow. that's, that's a statistic in America wow. right now. So the um, mainstream leftist group would say that if you have eight people that you pass in Walmart at any given time that are pedophiles, that must mean that we should normalize it. That is not the case. It's, a, it's socially acceptable. Your heart is deceitful above all things. And the last thing, the last thing that you should ever think about doing is harming children, especially scripturally. I did like this. They say this. I've heard this said this week on some of those interviews and things. Um, the one thing that Jesus gets a little like mafioso about is messing with kids. It would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and you'd be cast into the sea. That's a mafia thing. We'll give you, we'll give you your Concrete shoes. Um, And like, like, what's freaky too? So, like, I get these subscription boxes from other like publishing companies and stuff that, like, you know, people that I would hope that I would trust to, like, you know, put books into the library because most of the time they're pretty good books. But I always try my best to look through each book, especially if I look at it and go, "Mm," and I just, you know, you just kind of (laughs) know I should probably look through this book. I had to pull three books and send them back to the publisher because it involved um, a person over the age of 20 trying to uh, have sexual relations with uh, like a middle school aged child, like whether it be a graphic novel or like a written book. Like I called Ben and was like, oh my gosh, let me read this to you. And I was like, make sure you're not on speakerphone because it is like... And it's sexually explicit material. Like it's not something that you're just like, and then the dude kissed the kid. No, it's like... Like undressing grabbing things, talking about how it feels, like, it's, in a dressing room. So it's uncomfortable. I, I know what uh, I have, listen, I deal with unbelievers on a daily basis, openly. I am now a supervisor over a group of people, and I am the only believer in this group of people. So we have a lot of conversations, and they talk about what you just talked about all the time. Yeah, uh, and in the ending, it's not like they're overcoming a situation that that happened right. to them. Like, it's like... They get together. It's glorifying yeah. the situation. Yeah. Um, but they're like, well, the Bible addresses a lot of these. Like, it talks about sex. And you want our kids to read this in schools and things like that. And we can talk. There, I mean, there is rape in the Bible. There's right. a lot of stuff in there. So there we, we, we won't talk about my view of the Bible in school right now because we'd be here another hour and a half. But <clears throat> here was, I'll tell you what we just did at church. And Ben helped me with this. I was going through. And I, was, I teach all the elders teach the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade class. I was the w- lucky person to be able to talk about circumcision. Um, oh, did, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I called Ben and I said, Ben, Ben used to be a school teacher. And I said, you're the best with kids. Do I really have to talk about this? <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> right. So, and then, like, so, because he was like, you're dad. Would you want me to talk about your uh, talk to your fourth, fifth, or sixth grader about it? Would you want me to talk to your daughter about right. it? Right, because I, there are like, plenty of girls in that class. I was like, no. Um, the Songs of Solomon. Would I read the Songs of Solomon? No. to my daughter. No, I would not. Now, Actually, in our in the storybook Bible, I was looking. The Songs of Solomon is missing. You know why? Because it's not appropriate 
for children. Is there a point to the Song of Solomon? Yes. Yes. And when they get old enough to understand the true meaning, then read it. Then you can explain it to them. Yes. When they get old enough to start talking about biblical marriage, for instance, right. that's the perfect time to pull out the Song of Solomon and start reading chapter four. Right. And, you know, talk about how he's... She's undressing and he's happy about it, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> you said the Bible wasn't spicy. Well, here we go. <laughs> so, you know, but, but you know what song Solomon also has in it is do not awaken love until it pleases. Keep the foxes out of the vineyard. There's a whole bunch of things in there that basically mean don't do like don't expose people to that stuff until it's time, which and there is a time and a proper time. So my, here's my thing is that it's not that I want the Bible promoted in school. I hardly have a hard time trusting teachers that teach them history, let alone biblical truth. Um, my thing is, is that I just want you not to sexualize my our, our children. I don't. I don't. Uh, and so the point is, is that it is so. The truth is so far gone from the world that we live in that every idea that we have about truth and love is so opposite from everything that the world stands for. I mean... You know, I hate to say it, but I actually disagree with you on some of that. There oh. is some stuff baked into every person that they know a little bit about biblical truth. They do. Or they know a little bit about some loving thing, like helping somebody who's down and out. Like some sort of moral... Yeah, there's there's some there's a little bit of moralness that's baked in there, just a little bit. And the only reason why I say that is because we're all made in the image of God. I'm not saying that people are good because they're not, but I am saying that there's a little bit of something in people that knows that there is a right and a wrong. Society as a whole is garbage um, because I mean you look at it as a as as a large not let's not zoom into royal. Uh, royal, royal, rural, uh, Kansas, right? That's the, there's some some old farmer who may not believe in God who's going to pull over and help you with a flat tire because you forgot your tool bag up above my refrigerator where it's been forever. Um, I would like that bag. Yeah, we grab it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that, that that's not good. He did a good deed. But what I am saying is is that the Americans' highest the things that kill the most Americans in a year is slaughtering babies in the womb, right? Mm -hmm. That we have now killed more babies in one year than cancer kills people or heart disease kills people. That we do not think that we are a Christian nation anymore. We do not want to teach, we do not want to teach our children truth. We want to be, have them be able to decide what gender they are by the age of four or five years old. And in turn, let them have sex changes without parent consent. This is what society is now telling our children, telling people as a whole that it is okay. And if you disagree, you are a bigot, you hate people, you should, you know, just stay silent because you don't know what people really want nowadays. Society... Is this getting worse and worse? I'm not saying that they're a vocal section of society, right? And I'm not saying that it's, it's not everybody. I'm not saying that everybody's trash, but what I am saying is, people who are not saved, like you said, their hearts bent towards sin. So don't be surprised. Don't, and that's why I always say, don't think. I never expect unsaved people to act saved, and, I, and you shouldn't. I have a guy that I work with. He called in one day. He was right down the road from me. I went to the gym. He went to the gym. I was like, I thought you were sick. I was worried. Like, I prayed for you, things like that. So I wasn't mad that you called in. You have personal time. I don't care what you do. Go fish, whatever. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. But I don't lie about it. 
I call in and say, hey, I'm, going, I'm going fishing. I've got personal time. I'm going to use it. Right? So it's like, it's in that mentality of, I don't call in and lie. I just say, I got personal time. I'm going to use it. Thank you to the company for letting me have that. But it's just in the nature to, to do that automatically. Um, and so it's things like that. I don't, ex- but I don't expect him to t- call and tell me the truth. Right? I'd expect a Christian. Now, if you was a Christian, I'd expect, I'd, I'd probably call you out. Right. Um, but, if, yeah, I don't expect the world to live like a Christian right. should, and I don't judge them in the same standards that I look at Christians and say, hey, yeah, exactly. But exactly. no, in no way, in, or in any circumstance, do I expect the world to behave the way that I w- would think so. Right. Actually, I expect them to do the exact opposite. And then there's some things that I'm thoroughly surprised about. Like, hey, guys, you got this one right. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sad to say that in the years th- uh, that has come up recently, and probably the years to come, I will be more disappointed than happy. It could be. Um, now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to accept some things like abortion. I don't accept it because I'm going to fight for the, the innocent and try to protect them. I don't accept the pedophile for the exact same reasons. Um, I'm not going to let somebody harm a bunch of little children. I'm going to fight for that to the best that I can because I think that it's wrong. Right. Um, just because I don't expect you to live like a Christian and I'm not going to judge you like I would a Christian doesn't mean I'm not going to fight your worldview that says that I can harm babies. So I want you that. to reiterate the point, but my heart says it's Let me okay, give you Mark chapter 7. And I'm born this way. Yeah, and that's that. your heart may say that's okay, but again, Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Uh, Mark 7 says, it's Mark 7, 21 to 23. It says, for from within... Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So again, your heart is desperately wicked. And out of it comes all that crap, all that sin, all that stuff, Um, which means you can't trust it. It means that feelings shouldn't dictate your life. So The way that I feel necessarily isn't the truth. You can... Uh, it's not your truth. It's not the truth at all. You can... Uh, I'm going to ask a question, and I think I'm good. You, okay. you can talk about whatever you want to. Okay. Um, I'll probably respond to the question, too, but when they ask, I'm born this way, and your God, and you, you got, your God made me, so you believe, and he doesn't make mistakes, what do you say? Because this, this follows the context. It does. Um, he doesn't make mistakes. He also didn't make you to sin. You fell into sin. You, um, you're inherently sinful because of man and the, the, the sinful act that they committed at the very beginning and have kept doing all of your life. doesn't mean God made you to sin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the, the issues that I have with some of the doctrines out there is I don't think God made us to sin at all. I think we, have, we choose that out of our own volition um, and have fallen further and further and further away from God's plan. And so he gives us a way out of that through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, and through his commands and through his truth, um, commands us to come out of that. Right. And we should. So, yeah. So I always say that you have, again, the wrong view of self, that in the turn, you think that your morality sits on a neutral playing field. So I always like to draw a picture of a car and we sit on a level road. I'm like, this is what you think you're born in. Your decisions make you either be, I have draw like a designation that says good and there's one that says bad. And I'm like, and you think you're neutral when you're born and you think that you can make good decisions and go good or go bad. And I said, but here's the reality. I draw a hill and I'm like, you're a car that is 
in the in the neutral position, but you're born. <laughs> it's like and down the hill is bad and up the hill is good. And your car's in neutral. And so what happens when you're born? You roll bad. Like it's 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 you're born bad. That's what happens. But something has to pull you up the hill. And who is that? That's God. So in turn, yes, you are born that way. You are born sinful. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you. But that's why I tell you about the one who resurrects your spiritual life. Yeah. Because I don't expect you to act the way that you're supposed to act. But what I do expect is that for you to listen and for your heart to be uncalloused. In turn, you have some human responsibility there. Yeah. Dana, what do you say to those people? I kind of agree with what you guys are saying. Mm. <laughs> I've kind of been quiet just because, I don't know, I agree with like what you both are saying. Um, I think that also like it's easy to, if you keep telling yourself, well, I think this, I think this, I think this, that you start believing what you're thinking. But like you said, it's not the truth. And so... Um, I think that's why, as I always say, it's important to read the Bible if you're wanting to seek the truth, to see what it's saying. And like you said, to read it all in complete context, you know, and then to listen to what others have to say, because we all struggle with something. And that's kind of a thing that's said sometimes too, like, well, we all struggle with something, so it's okay that I, you know, have this going on, but it's not, you know, and, you know, if I'm doing something wrong, you know, I would want Hunter to tell me, hey, um, I really think that you should fix this, you know. So, you know those intros before the intros that we do? Um, <laughs> that's not in here. Okay. So, <laughs> I have read the Bible. It's not in there. Um, you didn't read the message. All right. All right. So, I'm going to... let's. So let's let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. So Last 10%. what should we rely on? We should rely on the truth of God's word. I am going to read a scripture and then yes. Oh, sucker. First John 3, 1 through 10 says, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So for the person, the Christian out there, um, and this is a, this is a kind of one of the final points that I really think we need to draw home, and you kind of started hitting on it already, uh, Dina, is that for the the Christian out there, there is no my truth. So when you're um, out there and you're saying, "Oh, I'm a homosexual," I'm a homosexual Christian. Well, I'm sorry, you're not a homosexual Christian. You are either a Christian or you're not. And if you're a Christian, you're not by the Bible allowed to stay in that sin. So you're not a homosexual Christian. You're not a murdering Christian. You're not a, well, I'm a lying Christian. No, you're a Christian or you're not. You can't add things on to Christ. You either are his or you are of the world. And so this passage tells us that little children, verse seven, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. His brother. Yes. Yes. So, anyways, this topic does not mean, and let's go last 10% for me. This topic does not mean that you shouldn't love the world. You should. Jesus showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it doesn't mean we don't love the world. It just doesn't mean, it just means that we don't accept them as they are. We give the world the way, the truth, the life. It is up to them to accept it or not accept it. It's up to the Lord to lead them or not to lead them. However you want to put it. The point is, um, it is loving. It is loving to point people to the truth. And there is one truth. There is not my truth and your truth. There is one truth. And if I don't line up with it, I have to change, not the truth, because the truth is the truth. And the truth is the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ given so that we could have a way out of everything that our heart deceives us on. The mess. The mess, <laughs> yes. Um, it is loving to rejoice in the truth. That's my last person. Tina? I don't know why. I just hate the last <laughs> <laughs> But um, Hunter hates the intros. I don't like the ten, last 10%. But um, no, like, it's because you all say it so well, I think. <laughs> and then I have to go. Well, just um, give us whatever whatever is on your mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ben said it's so good. Um, you can just ditto. I mean, ditto. And like we've said, you know, um, if someone was going to go jump off a bridge, I don't want them to go jump off a bridge. Like that's not good for them. And, you know, we know what's going to happen if they jump off that bridge and I'm going to love them enough to tell them, Hey, don't go jump off that bridge, you know, but it's up to them not to do it. Yeah. And it is. And I think sometimes too, I think if you're a dedicated Christian, sometimes you let that weigh heavy on your heart too that sometimes people won't change or won't listen or whatever. And ultimately, unfortunately, like it's, it's up to them whether they want to do it or not. But if you present the gospel to them, like that's your job, you know, and the next step is for them to either do it or not, you know? So less 10.5%. Being got to read the scripture, let's get to respond to it. Um, I love first John three. Um, because when when the non Christian says, Well you can't judge me I'm like, Well, hold up <laughs> Because Because John here is telling us, Christians, little children, here is how you can easily tell who's children of God, who's children of the devil. Right? Because he says here, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning, no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So he's saying the people who are in habitual sin can, has not seen him or has never known him. So if they're sinning and they're in your church, they're not saved, right? Like habitually sinning. I'm not saying like, yeah, they screwed up, right? Stubbed their toe, said a four-letter word, <laughs> whatever. 
I'm talking about they're in habitual adultery, habitual homosexuality, ha- those habitual sins, right? Habitual lying. Like we, we can go as petty or as habitual murder. It's funny we call that petty, but <laughs> right. you know what God I'm saying? Sins, yeah. But like, or habitual murder, right? We call big sins or little sins. Yeah. These are evidences that you have never known God. And it is quite scary how people can live their life deceived, deceiving themselves and deceiving others. When the light is not in them and their children, he calls them children of Satan. So that's my 0.5%. Then my last 10% is easily is this. Christians, don't be discouraged when you're preaching love and all you get is hate. Christ did the same thing and he was killed. The disciples did the same thing and they were killed. Except for one who was exiled. I think I'd much rather die at some point. Well, I mean, yeah. John was boiling oil, all kinds of things. Yeah, I was like, please, just <laughs> let me go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it is just like Paul, it's just theory. He went to the guillotine with a smile. Well, not the guillotine. He got his head chopped off with a smile, right? And Because he knew where he was going. Wait, to face the world with the love in your heart, even though hate's on your back. Yeah. Like, that's the point. Um, and they may think that you're hating on them when you're presenting love. That's natural. Some will accept it. Some will reject it. That's true. And guess what? That's not up to you. That's true, too. That's between the God is the one who calls. People are the one who... It's, it's, there's human responsibility and God's calling, right? There's a paradox there that I can't explain. Guess what? It's a, it is more. It is above my pay grade to be able to explain that to you. But guess what? <clears throat> At the end of the day, when you present love, I want you to know that you did your job, and you did what Christ has called us to do in the Great Commission: spread it to everybody. There will be some who reject. We've all been rejected in that regard, right? Guess what? One rejection does not discourage me from because I know that the acceptance is coming. Um, and I think everybody around this table has preached the gospel to more people who have rejected than accepted. Yep. Right? If we was going off bat- batting averages here, we'd all be sitting on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, that one acceptance is worth every rejection. Yep. There was a story, and I think Pastor Chris tells this, or somebody tells this, I can't remember. I listen to so many preachers, it's not even funny. But I think it was Pastor Chris. Well, it may have been you. I don't know. But he says that this pastor goes around, and I'm going to butcher it really bad, but he gave up his whole entire life to minister to all these people. Well, he was a missionary, and he ministered to all these people. Was it you that just said this? Yeah. Okay, well, why don't you tell tell the story, because I'm bad at it. You're talking about in China, nobody listens to him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, yeah, David or Victor Plummer. Anyway, the guy's name is is not important. The point is, he goes around and he's a missionary, and he's he lives in China and he's preaching the gospel and nobody accepts it. Um, he preaches and preaches and preaches and and he gets so discouraged he wants to leave the mission field and God's like, nope, you have to stay. I want you to stay there. But he's like, and he's going, God, there's no point. Um, and he writes this in his journals and stuff, and much later on. Um, he's there and he passes away and there's a very, very, very small congregation um, of people there that he has discipled. And so he dies and is buried on this plot of land and he thinks he's a failure. Well, there is a small, again, small group of people 
Um, and I don't remember if a missionary came in later or if the small group of people grew. However, it was. The point is, um, there eventually became a large group of believers who wanted to have a church in this location. And this guy who was a missionary who was buried in the mission field, um, the, uh, the, the Chinese government could not, um, not allow them to build a church on his, around his gravesite because his grave was there and it was dedicated to Christian service. And so the Chinese Communist Party had nothing to say and they were able to build their church. And the, the gospel flourished in that place because he was faithful, even though he felt like a failure. God used his sacrifice to later um, help a whole giant group of people. And people rejected? Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again. He still loved? Mm-hmm. Even in his frustration, he loved? Yep. Right? And that's the thing, too, is that we can always be frustrated. Christians can be very frustrated, but we can still love in our frustration. Mm-hmm. Actually, our frustration is a sign of love, a yep. sign of care. Yeah. If, I, if, I wasn't, if I didn't love you or care, I'd just be like, okay, go yep. on. Yep. Let <laughs> but, you die. Right. And so that, that, is, um, that is big, you know, to, to the heart of saying, listen, I, I'm just not going to accept that you're going to reject this. I'm <laughs> just going to push on through. Yeah. And, but my last 10% is just that. Be faithful with love, even when you won't probably receive much back. It's good. And now, Hunter's random question. I hope it's a good one. Yeah. I don't, well. Is it fun? I don't know. (laughs) So. We've been really deep tonight. I feel like we need something lighthearted. I have a random question. (gasps) What? Mine was about naps, but okay, go on. Um, Why can't you have, or why can't you park a boat in two different places? This is a joke. This isn't a random question. This is a random question. I want to hear the punchline, but you're fired up. Okay, say it again. So why can't you park the same boat in two different places? Because, Ben, we believe in lots of physics here. Wait, I think I know this one. Oh, no. Why can't okay, you? say it because I I know there's say it. Why can't you park a boat in two different places? It's because then you have a paradox. Ah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so now it was a joke. It was a question. <laughs> so if you take a nap, and I know Ben loves naps. I love naps. How long of a nap is too long? It depends. Oh man, yeah, it depends. But uh, anything longer than an hour is too long. Okay. Well, I say this because everybody's going to be different. Like, I start feeling grumpy. Like, uh, yeah, after an hour. So. Uh, oh, I mean, if I sleep longer than an hour, I'm doing good. It's just that I ain't going to sleep at night. <laughs> it's going to mess me up later. Well, if I get, well, I can say I go to sleep at 2 o'clock and I wake up at 4 o'clock, which happens. I Usually, if I nap, it's like two hours, two or three hours. Wow. Yeah, because I die. Because hmm. um, I very rarely nap. Hmm. But when I do, it's like my body's just gave out. Mm. I wake up such a grump. Wow. Like my wife, I try to open the door and it gets barricaded. She has like it tied off. <laughs> I can't <laughs> open the door for at least 30 minutes. Not mm. chill. And yeah, Lily's the same way. Mm. She naps for any longer than like two hours. She's done. She's a grumpy butt. It's because you went into the cycle of sleep and you woke up at the wrong point. And so you come out in the wrong stage of sleep. And so you are, you're fogged. That's why. Um, you're trying to get into REM sleep, but you're not there yet. And so you have gone, you're, you're, you're need, you need to either sleep longer or sleep less. If you sleep more than about an hour, give or take, you're starting to enter 
the next stage. And it's different for some, like for different people. For me, if I sleep 45 minutes, I'm grumpy. If I sleep an hour, I'm okay. If I sleep 30 minutes or less, I'm okay. Um, if I sleep more than an hour, I wake up and I feel amazing. But the problem is it messes up the rest of my day. You can tell Ben has taken a lot of naps because he's like he has like a calendar. Like oh, I did this this day, it does not work. I I, am, I have empirical evidence based on lots and lots of research. <laughs> <laughs> he's really fascinated by REM sleep. Um, yeah, because that's how you like rejuvenate and like if you don't REM sleep, your body will go into REM rebound where like you'll have like vivid nightmares of like and usually they're really bloody and gory because your body needs REM sleep. And so people that take like. Um, like sleeping pills never get into true REM a lot of times. And so when they try to go off of them, people say, well, sleeping pills aren't um, um, addictive, but the problem is they never truly REM. And so when they try to go off of their, <laughs> putting Dina to sleep here, when they try to go off of sleeping pills because they've never truly REM, they have such vivid nightmares and they can't sleep that then they go back on the sleeping pills because they, they just need to REM sleep and sleep naturally. Anyway. So you know what it sounds like to me? What's that? That Thomas Hunter in the uh, Circle Trilogy need some REM sleep buddy he does <laughs> he never gets it though you should read that book it's so good I'm so excited you're reading it alright Dina what is your nap in, like what, how long is too long of a nap so there's sometimes that I just want to not set an alarm like Sundays if we can oh, get yeah. home around like 1 to 2 I don't want to set an alarm I just want to see what happens and just <laughs> like I don't know. Those are the best naps is when I don't, because we're so busy all the time that sometimes, you know, I only get maybe like five, 10 minutes of, of a nap, but those naps where you just don't have to set an alarm are the best. But, um, I at least like 30 minutes, 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. That's the consensus. Yeah. You know what? I'm still grumpy, but it's okay. You seem better. I just needed that. He just needed to do a podcast episode. That's, That's it. what it was. He just needed to hang out with us. I was really pushing to do it tomorrow. <laughs> you were. You wanted to so bad. <laughs> I almost gave in. And then you were like, but Jessica doesn't want us to. I was like, we're doing it tonight. And hey, we were here on time. So there you go. You Ladies and gentlemen, we were. Yes. See, I did a one random question about being on late. And guess what? <laughs> about being late. And guess what? They're on time the next time. Ladies and gentlemen, we love you. We're so glad that you have joined us for this very long podcast episode. But it was it was important. Um, every bit of this content, importante. It was. It was muy importante. Um, every bit of this content is. It's just like last week, life or death. Um, when you when you read the the description of episode fifty three, it says that this this episode is about life or death stuff, talking about forgiveness, and it is. And this one about love is just as life or death. You shouldn't give in, Christian, but at the same time, I like the fact that Hunter encouraged you, and that's 100% right. Um, Keep on keeping on. That's right. You got to love people enough to preach the gospel. And and you know what? Not everybody's going to get saved, but that's okay. Um, thank you so much for listening to all this. We love you. We're here for you. Many blessings, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Altered Podcast. Be sure to join us next week for a brand new episode. Also, be sure to join us on the Altered Podcast Facebook page for updates and other cool content. See you next week. Hey.